The time is spring, 2004. The place is Vanuatu, where CBS popular reality show Survivor is being filmed for its 11th season. The situation is as follows. The show is wrapping up filming. Marine and art department crews are dispatched to various shooting locations to disassemble sets. Young boat operator Dan Latremoy has been assigned to remove scaffolding from a remote beach by loading it onto a barge. The scaffolding load is significant, but all is well until the unusually loaded barge changes course directly into the stiff South Pacific winds. This is Legacy Survival Stories. Legacy Survival Stories. Hey everybody, and welcome to Legacy Survival Stories. I am Mike Rossi. I am the uh, producer and uh, tech producer of the show. Uh, the reason that Dan is not on this side of the microphone today is because he's on the other side of the microphone. Say hello, Dan. Hello, folks. And uh, <laughs> it's a little strange to be on this end of things, but I think I like it. And uh, the reason we have Dan on that end of things, as you can probably imagine, is, uh, well, he's got a story to share with us today. And uh, I think it's about time that we had you in that seat. Okay, well, happy to do it. And uh, maybe the folks can uh, get to know uh, my background a little bit more. And um, yeah, I got uh, hard to, it's hard to cross swords with some of these incredible storytellers we've had on the program. But uh, I do have a few little, a few, a few gems I'd be happy to share. So uh, can you just start by telling us your background? Okay, so... Uh, when I was in university, I was part of a program called the Canadian Coast Guard Inshore Rescue Boat Program. So I did, um, um, let's think, probably six or seven seasons, I can't remember exactly, uh, of uh, inshore rescue boat stuff. So a fair bit of rescue there. And through some connections I made there, I ended up working on TV shows and movies uh, all around the world, uh, mostly as a boat captain and occasionally a rescue swimmer or a rescue diver. Um, and this story actually takes place on, on one of these uh, remote sets. Uh, so uh, if you like, I'll... Cut right to it. The less time I spend on the microphone, the better, Dan. So uh, I'll let you. I'll let you get right into it. Okay. So uh, setting the tone here. So uh, as I mentioned, I worked on some TV shows and movies. Uh, one of the TV shows that I worked on for uh, a number of years was the CBS show Survivor, uh, with uh, of, of fame with Jeff Probst and Mark Burnett and the rest of the gang. The point in my life I was at it was pretty exciting. Uh, so this story uh, actually takes place in the location of Vanuatu. Uh, so this would be going back to I think this would be around season nine season 10 somewhere in there okay uh, so uh for the folks at home uh where is Vanuatu? so Vanuatu is kind of over uh near fiji uh if you if you look at the if you're looking at a globe or looking at google google earth uh and you look at australia and you go a little bit north and a little bit to the right uh you'll see fiji and Vanuatu and palau and a few exotic locations there uh, and Vanuatu is one of them um it's a significant port city um uh, port villa is the main city there but uh as with most of the survivor locations uh, they don't use major port cities they want to have at least the appearance of an isolated location so this is the opposite side of the island from the city of port villa and uh, we're operating we've got a bunch of locations uh, so we've got a few tribe locations which are the places where they actually set up the tribes uh, some of them are on the mainland some of them are on islands um, in this particular case uh, it's a challenge site so that's a place where they'll pick a beach that they like that has good lighting and good locations and it looks pretty on camera 
and uh, it will have the, the the right combination of of accessibility that makes it work. And they'll spend uh, weeks and months ahead of the filming of one of these shows setting up these locations for things like challenges. In this case, they had set up an elaborate set of very uh, natural looking scaffolding is really what it was. So they, you know, take a bunch of logs and sticks and they make them all very, uh, natural looking. It looks like somebody, you know, just whipped them together and tied them together. Um, just from the materials that are on the beach there. Now, obviously they're not made from that. They have a whole art department with lots of qualified people and carpenters and, and scaffolding builders. Uh, but it has to look natural. You're giving away all the secrets now. Well, I, reality TV is 50% reality and 50 percent tv so the game is real i will say that um but on this particular day uh, we're near the end of the shutdown of the venuatu season so now we're at the point where we're taking all the crews to the locations taking apart all these sets and taking apart all these scaffolding and all the rest of it so that we can transport it back dispose of it move it on to the next location whatever we're going to do with it so in this case uh there's all this scaffolding here and i'm operating this barge-ish type boat um, it would be about 35 feet long maybe 15 feet wide um, uh, if you think of what a landing craft looks like where you've got kind of a, a rectangular shape and the the front is a slanted uh, ramp that you can drop down so you can nose into a beach you can drop the ramp down and then people can just walk the supplies right onto the boat so I've been tasked with this particular boat this day. This was not my regular boat. This was kind of dirty duty, but hey, what do I care? I'm still on a boat, and that's better than a day in the office. So I'm on location. The art department folks are loading up my boat, and as the master of my boat, I'm responsible for the loading and the, you know, how much can you put on here and making sure that the stability is good and all that sort of thing. And they're stacking all this scaffolding on her, and it's, 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 it's scaffolding, so it's not particularly heavy. So I don't care how much they stack on it. And they're getting to the point where it's stacking quite high. Uh, and when I say quite high, so if you can picture, again, that boat, roughly rectangular in shape, just a flat deck with a, with a ramp at the front. Uh, and it's probably stacked 20 to 25 feet high, just piled onto, the, onto this boat. I mean, it is stacked pretty high. That sounds like a lot of scaffolding. It, it is. Uh, and they're not taking care of it. I don't know what they were doing with it after that. Well, I can tell you what happened to it after this, but uh, that will all come clearly. Uh, but they were clearly not taking care of it to, to, to repurpose it for something else. It was going to get burned or junked somewhere. So are they just kind of tossing it on like they're not actually lining it up? Correct. Okay. Correct. They're just they're just piling it all on there, and the really the height of the pile of this of this scaffolding junk on my boat is really only limited by the ability of the people stacking it, how high they can throw. Right. That's <laughs> so. <they're, laughs> yeah, sounds like a sounds like a TV show set. That's for sure. And uh, and so again, as the master of my little boat, and I've got my one little deck hand, a lovely Fiji, Fijian fellow named Kameli, um, and he was great. Uh, we load all this stuff on here, and the department we get about three quarters of the way done and they say geez the pile's getting pretty high do you do you want to try and put the rest of this on here or do you want to make another trip and i know that i've got about a three mile run to do which is not a very far voyage but on the little boat that i'm on and if it's only got like a 
It was about a 60 horsepower outboard motor on it. Okay. So very, very limited power, very limited maneuverability, and it was windy today. And the course that I'm going to have to drive is going to take me directly into the wind, which means I'm going to be even slower. Plus, I now have all this stuff stacked really high on the deck, which is going to act like a big sail and slow me down even further. Mm-hmm. So I say, no, let's let's pile it on here. Let's get this done in one trip because it's going to take several hours to make just a three-mile run. And they say, okay, and they don't care. It's my boat now. It's my problem now. So we pile all this stuff on there. We head out around from the beach. We kind of head around the point, And now I'm pointed directly into this wind that I mentioned before. And it's about a sustained 20 to 25 knot wind, which is not a huge wind. That's not a hurricane or anything. That's that's just a windy day. It's what Transport Canada would classify as strong wind. But it's strong enough that I'm literally making about a half knot. Ooh. A half knot of speed, which is a kid doing the doggy paddle and I've got three miles to go at this speed. So it's going to take a long time to get there. This is going to be like a six hour, six and a half hour voyage just to, and I, I can see the point of land across the water here that I'm going to, but it is just painfully slow. You can get there faster swimming. Uh, almost like literally that, that that's actually not far from the truth. And I've also got an escort boat who's been dispatched to help me out with this. It's uh, like a seven-meter Zodiac, pretty standard. Uh, it actually was a brand-name Zodiac. Uh, and they are they're in pain watching how slow my progress is uh, because they are stuck watching this as well. So the coxswain or the, the master of that boat, he says, okay, why don't we throw you a tow line so you can tie it onto your bow and that'll maybe we can get a little more speed. And I think... Well, that's a great idea. So they throw out this tow line. We don't have a ton of line to work with, only probably about 100 feet. So by the time you, you know, wrap it around a few things, tie a few knots, you're down to 85 or 90 feet uh, of, of rope. Um, but once we've got it tied uh, and they start putting the, the, the throttle down on their boat, now I'm making about two and a half to three knots, which is still pretty slow. But now we're talking about, you know, an hour, an hour and a half voyage instead of a six hour voyage. So everybody's happy and we're pounding in the waves because again if you if you picture the front of this boat it's a flat ramp and i'm heading directly into the waves which means the waves are hitting this thing flush right on here just pounding against a, a flat wall basically and what is the uh, water what is the water like at this time um well in terms of temperature it's quite comfortable to swim it's tropical water so it's you know 28 29 i mean wave height uh wave height we're probably around one meter uh the good news is that as i get closer to the shore on the other side that wave height will drop uh because just because of the wind direction um but where i'm at right now when they first put me in tow the wave height is a meter to a meter and a half and it's choppy so not huge waves but it's it's rough like we're we're getting pounded pretty hard uh, but still the speed is worth it so uh i'm making some radio transmissions we're about a quarter of the way into this miserable but straightforward voyage across the channel and uh, all of a sudden my 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 Fijian, uh, my sorry, my Vanuatan uh, deckhand um, has a has a hissy fit and starts screaming, uh, "Oh, we sink, we sink, we sink!" And I'm sort of wondering what he's on about. And I turned around and no, he's absolutely right. We are sinking. And what had happened was this nice tow that we've got that's giving us the extra speed. The trade off of that is that the bow of my boat is not bouncing up in the waves very much anymore because the tow line is holding it down. So as one wave that's a little bigger than the rest, and it didn't take much, just a little bit bigger, our boat basically stuffed right into one wave. Uh, So now you've got an extra few thousand pounds of water holding the bow down, which means the next wave after that just fills the boat. 
right front to back, literally one wave to the next, the whole boat just basically plunges straight into the water. So when he's screaming, we sink, we sink, that's the first wave. And then the second wave, by the time I get my bearings and figure out what's going on here, I am up to my waist in water. Absolutely, like we are sinking, the boat is dropping out underneath my feet. So we scramble, put on our, our little PFDs that we probably should have been wearing all the time, but that's not the sort of thing you do on set. And uh, we scramble to put those on and the boat, we're still standing on the boat, if you can imagine it, but it's fluid in the water. The depth of the water here is probably 90 or 100 feet. So if this thing sinks, it's going to go way down. It's not really sinking though. It's kind of, we're holding it down and the weight of the cargo is holding it down, but there's enough reserve buoyancy in there that it's not sinking straight to the bottom. So we kind of swim off this thing. The rescue boat or the, uh, the boat that's with us that was giving the tow is having a freak out and they're calling for help and calling distress and we're waving for help and there's a lot of a lot of excitement going on but lo and behold right next to us in the water this boat as the aforementioned scaffolding which was uh, let's politely say that it was loosely stacked on the deck um now a whole lot of it is not stacked on the deck anymore it's uh <laughs> getting in the water with you <laughs> yeah. It is all over the place. Uh, some of it is still on the boat. Probably, if I had to guess, probably half is still on the boat. But the rest of it, uh, as the boat is partly underwater, some of it floats away. The boat rocks a little bit. Some of it just falls off. And so now, the long and the short of it is that there's a lot less stuff actually on the boat, including uh, myself and my deckhand. So this boat in the waves and the wind, and it's still attached to a tow line. Keep that in mind as well. So it's still moving. So it's still moving. And as it's moving, because of the shape of the boat and that weird that weird ramp-shaped bow, it's actually coming back towards the surface. And the next thing you know, there this thing rises next to us right there in the water. Uh, and it's, it's, it's underwater in, in terms of you can't see the boat, but you can clearly see where the boat is because all this pile of crappy scaffolding although it's smaller pile now is still on there so we kind of swim over to it it's not sinking any further because there's enough air trapped in the boat and under the i don't know where under the gunnels or something like that but it's not actively sinking so we say oh well the heck with it we got our pfds on the rescue boats are on the way and we just start bailing for all we were we just grab whatever buckets we had and start shoveling the water out of it the tow boat is still giving us a tow. Uh, the next thing you know, a rescue boat from our from our marine base, uh, where all the rest of our fleet of boats was, comes bombing through the water. They've got a pump. They get that running, and we pump the water out of this thing. By the time we get the water to a place where you could stand in the boat and have the water below your knees, we're actually the the soft thump or the soft uh, the soft uh, the soft arrival of us hitting the beach on the far side to our destination is we're actually there. Uh, so this went from a normal, painful, miserable, crappy duty day of just lugging this heavy cargo in what, f for the boat that I was in, in what were rough conditions. Uh, and that went very quickly into full on, we're on a boat that's sinking and we're all going to die. Uh, right back to, well, Maybe we're not going to die. Maybe we should try bailing the darn thing out. So we bailed and we bailed and we bailed and we ended up getting this thing all the way back to uh, the beach uh, where we pumped the rest of it out. And uh, some work was required on the motor, of course, because uh, it had been fully submerged for some time. The good news is I didn't have to go and collect any of that debris that was now in the water. I was kind of off the hook since it was my boat that sank, uh, even though I was probably mostly responsible for that. <laughs> Your boat. <laughs> it was my boat. As the master of the boat, it's my responsibility. Uh, 
But anyway, uh, so we all came out of it, and uh, there was some amusing pictures and uh, a lot of storytelling in the evening, uh, but we came out of it uh, relatively unscathed. Okay, so normally at this point, what we do is ask uh, what you would do differently. I feel like I should ask you, what would you do the same? Because it seems like there are all sorts (laughs) of things that were kind of missed there. I'm not... I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but no, it's fair. Uh, and uh, I, I'm a good example of a person who uh, has learned from enough mistakes. Everybody learns from mistakes. Uh, I try and learn. I try and focus very hard on things. Now I've made enough mistakes that uh, it's kind of surprising that I'm still here. This this being one of them. This could have gone. If I got snagged in something and that boat went to the bottom, that'd be it. Be all over. Um, but. Uh, I didn't. I got lucky there, uh, and the boat didn't go to the bottom, which is also lucky. So, what would I do the same? Well, you're dealt a deck of cards, so you have to play the cards you're dealt. I didn't want the boat that I was using for this. I got assigned the boat. So, what I would do is I would plot a different route. I would ensure that I had that chase boat and I would divide the load into two and just use that chase boat. I would still do the tow, but I wouldn't tow right into the waves. I would find a way to take the waves at an angle so that if it, things get did get a little dicey, I wouldn't be just sinking the boat all at once. Um, yeah, those are, those are definitely some lessons learned for me. So was there any aftermath for you or? Well, so here's the other interesting, both good, both glorious and terrible thing about the film industry. Uh, which is that they pay a certain amount of lip service uh, to being safe and following procedures, but ultimately um, there aren't really any safety protocols or procedures. So uh, in terms of aftermaths in aftermath or incident reports or anything, there was nothing like that. There was a, a bunch of discussion and a bunch of laughing, uh, a, lo- a lot of fingers pointed mostly at me. Um, and I certainly learned some lessons. Uh, nothing ever got documented as far <laughs> as the, I don't think that there is a, uh, a CBS log of uh of, of marine incidents from the shows. Uh, uh, gee, I actually hope there isn't because I might show up there a few times. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I, as you know, I come from a film background as well. And it's funny that you mention all that because the running gag in the world that I come from is uh, safety second. <laughs> it's not very much like what we normally cover on this podcast, right? You're, these the people, the people that we normally deal with are are people that are certainly safety first type people. And it's, it's, it's funny because I know you well, and uh, I know very much that for the most part, you are a fa- uh, safety first kind of guy. I live but, and breathe it now. But I guess submersing yourself in that world for a little while, maybe some of that rubbed off on you for a little bit. Well, that's, that's exactly it. And when I said it was, it was glorious and terrible, the terrible side is that it's, it's, it's highly unregulated. Uh, so they don't have good safety protocols and procedures. They just kind of get her done. That's the crappy part. The good side of that, though, is you get to do stuff there that you wouldn't do anywhere else. Uh, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn to regulate yourself because if, if, and that might mean saying, "I'm, I'm not gonna do it. I don't care if it costs me my job." And that's, that's a very real possibility every day on, on set. The good news is, I mean, we certainly did try. You know, that was a, that was a mistake. Um, and the boat that we use there um, is still my boat, so I, I can't, I can't shirk responsibility. But I can say that. That boat was never on set again because I was on a long list of people that didn't like using that boat. You were just the uh, the one that had to check your name last. Yeah, <laughs> that's the well, last name on the uh, on the boat log. Yeah, on the boat log. Yeah, that's well said. 
All right, Dan. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, that's um, I'm I hope that you have more stories that you can share with us. I uh, as, I do have as some we other go gems, forward with the podcast, and yeah. I look forward to inserting them uh, as at, uh, at 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 poignant moments. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. I think. And uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you next time on Legacy Survival Stories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and help us move up the charts with a five-star rating. We like comments and reviews, so we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and almost anywhere you can find podcasts. Legacy. Survival stories.